what's better than two professionals talking Flyers hockey? Two amateurs. This is Getting Bullied, a Flyers hockey podcast. Now put the kids to bed and crank it up. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Podcast partner of phillyisflyer.com. This is Getting Bullied, a historic episode of Getting Bullied. Mark Giannone, Dan Silver of Philly is Flyer with me as always. Dan, what's up, my good friend? The Flyers are in first place, man. That's what's up. It's unbelievable. Does that get you excited like it does me? I mean, they were in last place like two months ago. They lost 10 games in a row. It's, right. I, I don't, I, I, it's hard to comprehend, quite honestly. Well, Dan, as you know, and uh, as you kind of uh, teased on Twitter um, a little bit ago, we have a special guest. And this man is uh, about as Twitter famous as, um, I don't know, Kim Kardashian, Donald Trump, Donald Trump <laughs> all of these things. All the way from Sweden, we have Johan Gartner with us. Johan, what's up, buddy? What's up? Thank you guys for having me. I am not wearing any pants right now. <laughs> uh, I had a feeling people were going to ask that uh, when this episode gets released, and no. I am not wearing any pants. So let's get that. Do they wear <laughs> underpants in Sweden? But I don't even know if I want to know the answer to that question. Um, yes, okay. especially when it's cold. Uh, it's good. And it's a good not. It's good to get a video uh, cast. <laughs> yeah, it's probably good for you guys. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Johan, for the people out there that don't know you or just want to know a little bit more about you, give us your background. I mean, you're all the way in Sweden. You're you're worlds away from the United States and Philadelphia in particular, you kind of were going into it with us um, before we started doing the show, but how did a Swede from Sweden become uh, such a big Flyers fan like you are? Um, It all started when I was about eight, nine years old, uh, when I received Eric Lindros' uh, picture with his autograph. And this was back when... In the 90s, where there wasn't really any NHL coverage that didn't show it on TV. You could only get highlight, highlights on like the news um, in the mornings. And I didn't really know anything about the NHL. I was already a really big hockey fan of the SHL, but it was called Elite Syrian uh, back then. So I had my team and my favorite players, but this picture of one player kind of introduced me to a whole new world. So when I saw Eric Lindros play, it didn't take long before I was hooked. And then it kind of kept going from there. That's and awesome. the, the older I became, the more I watched uh, uh, documentaries about the Broad Street Bullies and uh, stuff like that. So it always kept growing. Um, yeah, so mm-hmm. that's about it, I guess. Well, right then and there, you and Dan have a lot in common because, as most know, Dan is also a huge fan of one Eric Lindros. So yep. you guys are kind of like brothers in that sense, almost <laughs> blood brothers from across the pond. We exactly. might, I mean, we might be. You never know. <laughs> I mean, so, exactly. we jump ahead now a few years in your life. Um, how did the no pants thing come to be? <laughs> um, as I said before, we started this when I tweet i try and make funny jokes because that's when people want to they either like your tweet or they retweet or they have a funny comment back and i'm a big fan of using the 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 gifs i guess you call it gifs gifs uh it is the best thing on the internet is using these short videos to show if you're sad if you're happy uh I, I just I can sit on my phone and just looking at gifts and I'm laughing to myself. Like I'm pretty easy to entertain in that sense. So I, I try and come up with something funny, and then for some reason it's always sexual. And so it, let's say Claude Giroux scores a really nice goal, or uh, Brian Elliott makes a nice save, or whatever. It's always I took off my pants, and then it just kept going, and people kept tweeting to me about. Asking if I'm pantless or uh, someone is pantless. I don't know. It just kept growing. So now I have people almost daily asking if I'm wearing pants, which is kind of weird. That's wonderful. Nice. That's hilarious. That's a good, yeah. 
you obviously have a lot of charisma, a lot of uh, a lot of humor, and it's that's good to hear. So now that we now that we've gotten the pleasantries out of the way, let's get down <laughs> to some business because I'm sure everyone is tired of hearing about no pants and <laughs> things of that nature. So the trade deadline came and went, and we'll get into that. But I want to talk a little bit about the game last night, the Flyers and the Canadians. And I have a question for the both of you because as I'm watching the game, I was thinking about the end of the Ottawa game and how, you know, they let up two late goals and they were kind of these soft goals and they were just kind of a breakdown in coverage. And I don't know, some of that is tied into the fact that they had the game in hand and, you know, they let their foot off the the pedal a little bit. But then they come into a game against Montreal and a team in disarray, a team that's been out of it for months, a team that knows that their season's over and they're just playing out the remaining months. And kind of from the Flyers' perspective, it was a sloppy game. The effort wasn't as high as it probably should have been. And they ended up getting shut out up until, of course, I mean, they didn't score an actual, like, real goal. Um, They ended up winning one nothing on a shootout on a good shot by Sean Couturier. And it was an exciting shootout. It It was an exciting overtime. But, Dan, I'll kick it to you first because we haven't heard much from you yet. Um, does does that alarm you uh, that the Flyers came out so sluggish or do you just kind of chalk it up to, you know, it's a road game late in the season and they kind of played down to the opponent? By the way, first let me say that my pants are on. So <laughs> we've got a pants off and a pants on. Um, and I was really not that surprised, I'd say. I mean, this sort of had like the – the stereotypical letdown game written all over it. Not, you know, not letdown, but the fact that the Canadians are a team that everyone knows is kind of in disarray. They've been struggling. I mean, they've been okay at home. Um, but, you know, they're a team that, what they traded away, you know, a couple players, they traded away um, Panic and, you know, a, a team that the Flyers probably are taking a little bit lightly. Um you know, look, I didn't think the Flyers were terrible early in the game. They kind of had like a mid-game lull. You know, they outshot the Canadians, I think, 10-3 to in the first period. Um, Peter Morazic was was very good the rest of the way. Um, and, you know, I, I, I wasn't really surprised. It was a game where I, I had a feeling sort of most of the game that the Flyers are going to find a way to, to, to win. Um, and they kind of, you know, look, it's one of those games, it's a little bit of a letdown, but they did what they had to do to win the game. I'll be honest, I was a little bit nervous in the shootout when, once again, it came down to Jake Voracek needing to score to tie the game. And whenever Voracek's in the shootout, I think he's going to, like, try and pass it to somebody because he thinks he's going to pick up another assist. <laughs> he but, always goes um, five-hole. Always. And, and it was a, you know, great shot. And then, you know, um every shot after that I'm inching closer to the TV and I still don't know if you watch the replay from behind Katuria when he shot it I mean there was like no room there I mean that was a really good shot um but uh you know I I wasn't that surprised with with the effort um I don't know Johan what did you think um this game is one of those games where the Flyers would have lost if this was last year or the year before when they've been one of those borderline bubble teams, they always uh, play down to the opponents. And I guess you could say they did that against the Canadians as well. But the difference this year is they actually find a way. And in, and you could see in the overtime, it, it could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. I think Claude Giroux had an open net, then Lindgren made some ridiculous save, and then Mirashek obviously had a couple of incredible saves throughout the game. Uh, but I think that they will need to step up the game a tiny bit, especially offensively, if because they have a tough schedule coming up. So if they want to get one of those top two positions or even top three, uh, they might have to step up a bit. Peter Morazic. Morazic, it looks he looks ridiculously good. He looks phenomenal. Peter Morazic, basically, and and all the moves that were made yesterday at the deadline. You know, obviously the Flyers made this trade about a week ago yesterday, something like that, Monday or Tuesday last week. And Peter Morazic made Ron he- – I mean, we already knew Ron Hexel was a genius, but it, it, he jumped up that genius level even more with his play yesterday. And his play really since he's been here. I saw the stat earlier. He's the first 
uh, Flyers goalie to win his first three games as a Flyer since Ilya Brzgalov. Hopefully, things do not end like that did. But he was phenomenal last night, especially in, in overtime and the shootout. Uh, I think he has, like, I heard at the end of the game his save percentage in the shootout is, like, close to 750 or something, or goals against. No, it was definitely save percentage. But anyway... He played out of his mind last night, and so did Lindgren on the other side. But, I mean, that's what that's what you need out of a guy like Morazic going down the stretch when you have these lulls. And like Johan said, the, the schedule is going to get hard as shit coming up this week. You're playing yeah. against a lot of the top teams in the conference. So you're going to need to ride Morazic, and hopefully he could keep with that. But as far as I saw it, Morazic so far has the Flyers as one of the major winners in the trade deadline, if you count it as a deadline move, and I guess you kind of have to, but he was out of his mind. I was pleased to see it, and I hope he keeps it up. But we'll shift now to the deadline, and obviously everybody in the world's doing winners and losers of the deadline. Um, the price was set extremely high. There was a lot of there was a lot of just like teams giving up pick after pick after prospect for these guys because they're going for it. Pittsburgh's one of them. Boston gave up a shitload, and Tampa Bay. Now, to me, the other teams, the other top teams in the conference, most of them, Pittsburgh, Boston, Tampa Bay, beefed up, and they are scary as hell. More, moreover, is um, the one I'm most afraid of is Tampa Bay. I'm curious, Johan, I'll go to you first. Does, are you more? Who are who are you most intimidated after the deadline? Who do you think won as far as Eastern Conference goes? Who did the most at the deadline to better their team. I mean, I guess you have to say the Lightning because they got uh, McDonough and JT Miller for... They didn't even have to give up their grade-A prospects. No. Taylor Radish or... Um, oh, what's that guy's name? Boris Pichuk. Yes. So I, I, I can't believe they managed to get McDonough and JT Miller without having to give up one of them. So I think you have to put them as... I mean, sure, they have to give up Namestikov, who I liked. And mm-hmm. I wanted the Flyers to trade for before he actually got a chance with Lightning. But it's not... Considering the players to get back, that's a pretty... Pretty incredible trade by Iceman, I gotta say. Uh, yeah. But then... The, you always have to say the Penguins. I like Brassard as the 3C behind Crosby and Malkin. Uh, so they will always be dangerous, but mm, I don't know. I, I gotta say the Lightning, but yeah, now Kucherov got injured, and I don't know how serious that injury was. So we'll have to see. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I mean, quickly on Kucherov, I saw a report today that it didn't seem like it was that serious, and he'd probably be playing tomorrow night, I think. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, sure. but yeah, no, like the Tampa, Tampa was clearly the winner in the Eastern Conference. I mean, they added a extremely good defenseman, Ryan McDonough, who is not a rental. He's under contract through next season. And then yeah. I, JT Miller, I didn't really understand the Rangers trading him. He's a RFA at the end of the year. He's a really good player. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he was the Rangers' second-leading scorer when they traded him. And yeah. Tampa adds both those guys, and, and all they have to get rid of off their roster is, is Nemesnikov. And he started out the year really good. He was on the top line for Tampa. And then he kind of slid down the lineup a little bit. Um, you know, one really amazing thing to the, about the deadline to me is Johan mentioned that Tampa didn't have to give up any of their top prospects. Uh, you know, I, I'm assuming the conversation between uh, Tampa and the Rangers was uh, the Rangers GM, you know, continually asking for Mikhail Sergachev and Steve yeah. Eiserman continually saying no until 2:59 when the trade was accepted one minute before the deadline without Sergachev in it. So I'm shocked that he wasn't in a deal. And the really amazing thing you look at at the deadline is like guys like Evander Kane, Rick Nash, Grabner, uh, Tatar, Vanek, all these guys were moved. There was not one top 50 prospect that was moved over the trade deadline. There were a lot of top 100 guys. You could argue, though, that the best prospect who uh, was traded over the last week was the goalie for the Penguins, Gustafson, who was mm-hmm. so good yeah. in the World Juniors. So. There, there weren't like any elite prospects that that changed. So it was just, it was a lot of draft picks. Um, you know, I think that uh, 
Obviously, Boston got a little bit better with Nash. I'm not a huge fan of his. Uh, He helps him out a little bit. I think the Devils did a really good job with adding Grabner and Maroon. I still don't think the Devils are as good as the Penguins, the Flyers, or the Caps. Um, You know, one of the interesting things I I looked at today was on Twitter, I put together like a little chart that basically I, I... looked at the the eight playoff teams in the Eastern Conference, and I looked at the number of first and second round picks they have this year and next year, the number of top prospects they have based on Corey Cronman's updated January list on the Athletic, and how many stars under the age of 25 they have, and I kind of put that together, just to see, you know, after the trade deadline, how do these teams stack up for the future? And the Flyers and, the, and Toronto, obviously the two teams that didn't make big moves, are just so much more uh, so much better position for the future than a lot of these teams. I mean, Pittsburgh, for example, they, they only have three first and second round picks in the next two years. They have no top 50 prospects and they only have a couple under 25 stars. The Capitals, they have one top 50 prospect. They have no stars under the age of 25, maybe Burakovsky, if you want to argue him. Um, so look, obviously these teams, when Ron Extall was quoted yesterday, he, he basically said that, you know, the Flyers are not, they're sticking to the plan. They're not going to mortgage the future to have a two, you know, a 2% increase in the chances of them winning a Stanley cup this season. And no. they're sticking to the plan. Right. I mean, but the, the, but also the reality is that with the Flyers bringing Oscar Lindblom up, I'm not so sure that Lindblom's not going to be as good as Rick Nash or Grabner the rest of the way. I mean, he's looked really good in the games he's been in. They're going to add Wayne Simmons back in a couple of weeks. Um, if, Tra- I, I don't think that Travis Anheim, and we'll talk about this a little later, I, I don't think he's going to be up unless there's some injuries that occur. But if they yeah. bring him up and the coach shows he has confidence in him, I think that's a big addition for this team. So, you know, look, the Flyers, we knew they weren't going to make any big deals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fans like trying to, to look at if they're going to and, and hope for that. But, but they, you know, they weren't going to make big deals. They made the trade for the goalie when they had to because the other two guys were injured. Um, and they're still really well positioned for the future. And I still think this team c- can make a run this year. I, you know, I don't know if they can beat Tampa in a seven-game series, but if Pittsburgh wins the division and the Flyers are playing the Caps in the first round, I see no reason why the Flyers can't beat the Caps in a first-round matchup. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. I was going to bring that up as well. If you compare uh, the eight teams that are in the playoffs now, compared to maybe last year or other years, there is not any of these teams that kind of makes me think, oh, there's no way Flores can beat them. Like the Caps, before they had to get rid of Johansson and stuff like that, It's you could tell that when uh, last time Flores were in the playoffs, you could tell that Caps were, they were too good. Flores stuck in there, they got Couturier injured and stuff, but you could tell that Caps were, they were too good. Uh, this year, it's only one team that I'm not afraid of, but I think that Flyers will struggle, uh, and that's Tampa. The rest I could see them beat, not easily, but I could see them win. Um, mm-hmm. I'm still, so, I'd say the Penguins still really scare me. Yeah, but it's always the Flyers-Penguins thing where no matter how good the Penguins are, when it comes to it, the Flyers always seem to find a way. That's a good point. The thing with so, the Penguins, though, is uh, they've, they've had so much more playoff experience in recent years. I mean, obviously, you know, they're back-to-back champions. Or champion, yeah, champions are going for their third. Um, and that's you have to give that as a huge advantage to them because most of the guys on their roster are, at this point, you know, they have two straight years where they've had really deep runs in the playoffs that finish in championships. The Flyers, you know... In the last, since 2010, um, you know, I, I don't, they haven't had that same playoff experience, you know, ever since, you know, they when they went to the uh, cup finals. And they have a lot of young guys that aren't used to playing in the playoffs. Obviously, Giroux's here. He's, you know, he's been down that road. Borachek's been down that road. Simmons. But they don't have that level of success. And they have <clears throat> all these young guys now. They have this young defense core that... You know, we saw last year, uh, uh, the hell, uh, Ivan Provorov started to slow down at the end of the year. Obviously, he was that was his first year in the league, and he was getting used to the long NHL schedule. But 
the playoffs, it goes even longer, and the intensity is yeah. ramped up, and everything gets pushed up to a different level. So when you're going up against these teams like a uh, Pittsburgh, and really they have the biggest playoff pedigree of the Eastern Conference right now, if you're going up against them, that's a tall order to you know to to take on when you have so many young guys that have never been there before. So outside of just the pure talent that Tampa Bay has, I would put Pittsburgh as a close second of a team that I would love to avoid at all costs because it's the same thing yeah. Johan said. Fluky things happen when the Flyers play the Penguins, and it goes both ways. And if it's in the playoffs, a team that knows how to win and knows how to conserve themselves for that run, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if those fluky things started happening more against the Flyers than for them. I think if the Flyers are to play the Penguins, they need to play them in the first round. Mm-hmm. That's where I think the Flyers can get them. But if they get them, if they get them later, I think the the playoff experience and all that stuff might factor in more. Yeah. I think. And that, I, the, I, I, the, I, the, yeah, I kind of took um a little bit uh on Twitter this past week since the last episode because I didn't elaborate further on why I thought the Flyers were at max a second round playoff team, and I think. That explanation, I mean, there's a big part of it, is their lack of playoff experience. You know, they get, they have as good a shot as anybody else to get past the first round. But in the second yeah. round, you're playing a better team than you played in the first, and you're probably going to be playing a team where there's a large portion of that team that has been in the playoffs before. Uh, guys are going to be worn down from that first series. These young guys that they're going to throw themselves out there full force in the first round may hit a bit of a lull in the second. And in the playoffs, there's not like you can't go three games when you're not at your peak, where you're not at your best game and expect to come back. We've seen it in the past, but it doesn't happen every year. And it doesn't happen when you're pushing out as many 20 somethings like 24 and below as the Flyers are. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, um, I think I looked this up like last year. I think there's only two or three teams that uh, won the Stanley Cup the year after the year after they missed the playoffs. So obviously the Flyers missed the playoffs last year. So it's a, look, it's a team that we're no one's expecting they're going to win the Cup, um, but it's it'd be great for them to get some experience and win around. You know, to play devil's advocate, like I don't really think they're going to match up great with the Penguins if they face them, no matter where. But the Penguins have. They've got a lot of playoff experience, but they also have a lot of mileage on their legs, a lot of playoff mileage. And, you know, we've seen it with teams like the Kings and the Blackhawks. They, after they, you know, win a couple cups, you kind of maybe have a, a down year and just because of all the mileage on the players, and then they kind of can regroup. I don't know if that's going to happen with the Penguins. They're playing really strong right now. I mean, they look phenomenal, and they've got three really good lines after the Broussard trade. But, yeah. um, you know, I. Maybe if we face them in the second round, they'll be a little bit banged up after a first round and all the playoff games over the last three years. I don't know. I think that, you know, this the likeliest scenario for the Flyers is, uh, well, again, I don't know. I mean, it depends on who they play. I think they beat the Caps in the first round, although um, I think it'd be tight. But, uh, but, right, I think the important thing, as both of you guys mentioned, is just for this team to get some playoff experience. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. People get a bit ahead of themselves now because the Flyers are first in Metro. So everyone starts talking about making a, a deep playoff run. I mean, sure, it can happen. But if someone told me that the Flyers were going to make the playoffs and win one round and then get eliminated, I'd probably take that, considering right. where this team is right now. I ju- all I want up, right yeah. now, this, this year, all I want is for all these young guys to get the playoff experience and then keep building. Yeah, uh, and that's that's yeah. probably another big reason why Ron Hextall didn't see the need to make a big move because he's, you know, obviously everyone knows he's looking down the line, and if you bring in, you know, a guy on an expiring contract or something, somebody that you might like, everyone, not everyone, but there were people out there that there were two sides of the coin when some of the Evander Kane rumors came out. Most didn't want him because of his attitude and stuff like that, but there were some that did because he's still a pretty good player. I mean, he has 40 yeah. points. He scores 20. He scored 20 goals, but you bring in a guy like Evander Kane and 
that's going to lose ice time for maybe somebody that you see more part of your future than you would have a Vander Kane. So the be- this is the best case scenario for this season. And people are, like Johan said, they're probably getting a bit ahead of themselves when they think the Flyers can make a deep run. Um, you know, the, the playoffs are a whole different animal. But from where this team came, from where they started this season at, just to make the playoffs and to win a round is a huge success when you're like basically for the most part your future core at least on the blue line and somewhat up front is here right now so they get that experience now they're playoff vets so now anybody else you bring in from anybody else you call up has a plethora of guys to look at that can help them through the subsequent playoff runs in the next years to come yeah flyers have a they have a lot of pieces where if they all hit like the right form at the same time, that's when they're dangerous. Because you have, uh, before it's always been Giroud and Voracek. And you, then you had Ghost came in and like he, he's he's good and we all love him and stuff. But now it's it's even like he's taken a step. Couturier said, has taken a step. Konechny has grown as a player. You have Patrick who is a whole different player. Uh, now compared to the start of the season you have a uh, peter morasic who when on form he is about as good as they come mm-hmm. that's how talented he is as right. a goalie the problem with him has always been consistency but he's also played for a sorry for my language but a fucking shit team <laughs> they are bad especially defensively holy shit so there's a lot of ifs but if they all find the same form uh, basically, the form they have now. If they can get that and maybe even a bit better in the playoffs, you never know. Because, as we said before, it's not many teams that scare me where I think they are so much better than the Flyers are. Dan, were and you then offended? obviously, you have. Sorry, go Sorry? ahead. I mean, I having, done say... this, having done this podcast for you know a year now with Mark, I pretty much don't even hear the F bombs because they, you know, <laughs> it's amazing, Johan, that you have now. Uh, spewed out more F-bombs than Mark during the show because he's usually, you know, firing away left and right. Very yeah, liberal. All the time. I'm very liberal with yes. the F-word. Yes. I, like I it. all the time normally. So it's, yeah. uh, I you was know, not Peter Mrazek, a... I, I, uh, I was just, I was going to mention earlier about him. He, what you really notice when you watch him play is how aggressive he is. Right? Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't watched him that much um, with the Red Wings because who's watching the Red Wings? But, uh, He's a really aggressive goalie, and I think that's part of the reason why he's really good in shootouts. Those types of goalies tend to be yeah. better in shootouts than the guys who just kind of sit back. Um, and so you're right. He looks like the kind of guy who – obviously, he's not Dominic Hatchick, but that style where yeah. you're very aggressive, when you're on your game, it's extremely hard to beat you. He, we, you know, I guarantee you that we're going to go through some periods with Mrazic where we're like, what the fuck was that? You know, I mean, to be honest, um, every goal has to. I don't. Right. Doesn't right, matter right. who you are. Uh, but the really interesting thing now is like, if he keeps playing this well, how does Ron Hextall not re-sign this guy? Yeah. I think. I've been. I, sorry. Even I, I after was these, say, I, even after these sorry. three games, uh, he's already played better in three games than Michael Neuwirth has played through any stretch of his career with the Flyers. I don't yeah. necessarily agree with that because of how good Neuwirth was in the playoffs against the Caps. A couple yeah, of years was, ago, uh, but that was but, a different level. But yes, and Mrazek, he's been a a guy who's been able to stay healthy, which is obviously something that Neuwirth has not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, obviously, we've talked about the Flyers have not. They didn't make a trade, but the uh, the one move they did make yesterday, and again, um, some people saw it for what it was, and some people saw it for. Um, the Flyers kind of disper- disparaging a uh, a young player that everyone is excited to see, but they they brought in off waivers. They signed defenseman Johnny Oduya, and uh, they waived Mark Alt, who got picked up by Colorado. I for one love the move of bringing in Oduya for same thing that we talked about a little bit ago: playoff experience. The guy's been there; he's done that. He's won two cups. He is a much better uh, option of a seventh defenseman than Alt. 
and he's going to pay uh, huge dividends just in the locker room. And that was that's exactly what Ron Hextall did that for. That was a locker room move. That wasn't a I didn't at least I didn't see it so much as a we don't like Travis Sanheim. More of look, we're gearing up for a playoff run here, and. Travis Sanheim couldn't get on the roster all season, so I found it really hard to believe that he that they would have called him up and put him as the seventh defenseman for a playoff run. Because if somebody goes down, you got a guy that's been sitting cold in the press box, and now you're throwing him in the middle of a playoff series, something he's never done before. So I like the Oduya move. Uh, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, I mean, I actually here's what I think. I think that if Ron Hextall was the head coach of this team, Travis Sanheim would be playing a a role as the top six defenseman for this team. I think that you Dave Hackstall clearly likes safer defensemen, which is why he's fell in love with Robert Haig over Sandheim or um, Moran to begin the season. And, you know, look, Sandheim did play 35 games, and then he just – I think Hackstall just decided that he was not comfortable – when Sanheim was out on the ice in the defensive zone, there were some lapses in coverage that ended up in the back of the net when Sanheim was out there. And I think he just basically made Dave Hextall uncomfortable. And Hextall was kind of hoping, not hoping, but, you know, thinking that maybe an injury would occur and Sanheim would get back into the lineup. That didn't happen. They sent him down. And I think now Ron Hextall is kind of basically resigned to the fact that his head coach is not going to play Travis Sanheim over Brandon Manning. So when you, and he's not going to play Travis Sanheim in big minutes in the playoffs because of how he feels about his defensive game right now. So I think that Hextall signing Oduya was kind of a sign that they, they didn't want Sanheim up as that seventh defenseman. Um, and, and that Hextall saw that if an injury happened, that Hackstall maybe wouldn't want to have Sanheim up. And so you needed a another guy who could come in. And the fact that Oduya has won Stanley Cups and uh, brings a lot of experience and is is good in the locker room, I think was a, a big thing there. Um, but but I think, you know, I again I, I just I think that probably they won't re-sign Brandon Manning. Oduya's gone at the end of the year and, and Travis Sanheim will be one of the top six defensemen for this team next year. And I think Ron Hextel is going to make sure that that happens. But I think he realized it wasn't going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. And Oduya is kind of a nice depth signing. Right. You know what I always come back to when it comes to Sunheim and Manning and that whole situation? It's the exact same as Shea Theodore had with Anaheim. The exact same. Couldn't get on the roster. And then he got sent back down. To San Diego Gulls, I think they're called. Um... So Sanheim is going through the exact same thing right now. Which, I mean, it sucks, because we all know he should be playing over Brandon Manning. Right. The problem is, uh, with Oduya, it's not that, oh my god, now he's going to play instead of Manning, uh, Sanheim. The problem is that Sanheim should already be playing, and then I'd rather have Johnny Oduya with the experience as a seventh than Brandon Manning. Right. So. I, well, I think this goes back to the same problems we've kind of seen with Hackstall, you know, going back to last year. He gets these safety pin guys that, you know, he feels like Dan was saying, he feels a sense of, sense of comfortability with. He feels just better when certain guys are on the ice than others. We saw it last year with Belmar and uh, Vandevelde, and we saw, you know, guys like um, Travis Konechny that were – you know, being hurt minutes-wise because of that. And it's really the same situation this year with Sanheim. You know, he, for whatever reason, and, you know, maybe his defensive play wasn't where Dave Haxall thought it, sh- thought it should be at this level. So he felt, like, I guess erratic, and he wanted to go with the safety pin. And his safety pin this year is Brandon Manning. And, again, you know, we're all pissed off about it. Everybody wants to see Sanheim, but... You know, it's going to be the same. It's probably going to be the same situation as it was this year. You know, the old the guys that nobody likes are are going to get moved out, and the guys that everybody wants to see are going to be up here next year playing a regular role with this team. So this is part of the slow process that people are on board with until it is hurting their guys that they want to see. Mm. Yeah, I mean the 
Uh, it, you, you brought up uh, Travis Konechny. You gotta give Haxel credit because of not the way it handled him, because I still think that was wrong, but at least it has worked for Konechny, the way the way he plays this year compared to to last year mm-hmm. in his defensive zone, especially. So it's a big improvement if that's on Haxel benching him or healthy scratching him no I don't think so but we, you don't really see how much they work off ice or like in right. training on his defensive game so I guess you gotta give credit where it's due but yeah I, I'm not very happy with Sanheim being scratched or sent down even uh, over Manning because I'm not a big Manning fan I saw yeah, um, San- yeah. go ahead Dan no I was just gonna say Sanheim's the kind of guy who could be a real difference maker in the playoffs too which is yeah you know, it's just unfortunate, right? I mean, um, and he's absolutely obliterating the AHL. And from comments I've seen in Dave Isaac's articles over the last week, it sounds like the head coach of the Phantom, Scott Gordon, just thinks that Sanheim is, is just way too good to be in the AHL right now. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things that hopefully will sort itself out over the offseason. And the good news is if there is some kind of injury or two injuries, you know that he can come up and, and, be a very good NHL player because even if from the eye test defensively, maybe he wasn't terrific based on the metrics, he was much more effective than Brandon Manning. I think the Flyers' biggest problem with the team they have right now, I've, I think the, the number one problem is the defense pairs. I mm-hmm. love Provorov and Gus Despair together, but then you look at the other two pairings now, especially when Sanheim was scratched and sent down. The other two pairings are horrible. They well, are so bad. Well, that's because of that's the guys that are on them. For I yes. mean, you got you're pairing McDonald with uh, a guy that you see a lot in, and then you have, you know, Gudis and and fucking Brandon Manning. So you can't yeah. you can't expect to see much out of that pairing either. And Gudas and Manning are playing worse than McDonald and Hegg. Yeah, which is yeah. Gudas, Gudas has not been the same guy since he came back from that suspension. He's and, playing scared. Yeah, and he's I don't think he not to get suspended. A, I think he needs McDonald's. a player like Sanheim with him, yeah, exactly. not a player like Manning. And I think McDonald, this is probably the best year that I've seen him have with the Flyers, which is not saying much. And Hegg is, you know, Hegg's. Hague's been good as a rookie. I think that those two guys as a third pairing would be better than most NHL teams' third pairings. Right. But the problem is they're getting second pairing minutes, and Gudis yeah. and Manning, who have kind of been a disaster, are the third pair. So, so right, if you brought up Sandheim and, and Gudis was paired with him and maybe picked up his game a little bit, and they're the second pair, and then McDonald Haig is the third pair, but we're obviously a long way from that happening because – yeah. Uh, the head coach loves Haig. They love McDonald. If I hear Bill Clement talk about how great Andrew McDonald is one more time, I'm going to throw <laughs> oh, up all over the place. His well, quote about coming back. was his quote about Lechter last game was probably the most. Uh, I guess the, the term is called Homer. Yes. Yeah. When he's talking about him on on how if he, if the game was played on the boards, he would be an All Star every year. <laughs> Or something like that. No, that was that was Yuri Latera. He said if, yeah, if, yeah, if, if the game was played on the half wall his, uh, all the time, he'd be at, he'd be an all star every year. Yeah, his Finnish pronunciation is Lechtere. Sorry, I knew oh. I knew what you were saying. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Okay. All I right. take full responsibility for my Finnish pronunciations. I'm sorry. That's all right. No. Yeah, the Clement. <laughs> oh, the, the Clement comments are just just ugh. Yeah. They make me nauseous. But in, in an ideal world. That is somewhat realistic. You would have Provorov and Ghost. Then you would have Gudas and Sanheim. And then, since it has to be realistically, it has to be McDonald and Haig. Obviously, we all want Moran and Myers and stuff like that. But realistically, the third pairing is supposed to be uh, Amac and Haig. And that, well, that would have been fine. If there was an injury, and, you know, who, to whomever, to Gudas or whatever... And um, Sanheim had to come up. What What do you guys think about the pairing of Oduya and Sanheim? Mm, I don't know how good Oduya is. Well, he's more. Nah. He, I think he's more sound defensively than a Gudis or a Manning would be. 
I would probably rather have him playing over either I, one of those guys. I mean, you would be more sound defensively than okay. Brandon. Well, sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Gouda's a big problem he has is if he has to be when he's when he's paired with Manning, he has to be more uh, puck moving than right. he has to if if he plays with Sanheim, it makes his game so much easier. So I think as soon as he doesn't play with a puck moving defenseman, that's when he struggles. I think you can see that in his game, uh, just by the the eye test, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wow. think if he, if he played more with Sanheim over a longer period of time, I think we would all say the same thing that oh, Gudas looks good, looks solid. Like it's nothing special. We all know what he's gonna do when he has the puck in the offensive zone. Yeah. He gets it, he shoots. That's what he does. Right. Yeah. You're not gonna see. You're not gonna see that Robert Haig hi- highlight real goal that he had the other night yeah. out of Radko Gudas. That's just not ever gonna happen. Can you yeah. imagine if they re-sign Manning? Oh my fucking! Oh, I, I am fully prepared for them to do that. I wouldn't. It wouldn't fucking surprise me one bit if they did that. And I like, yeah. I would lose my goddamn mind. And they would try to sell it as a veteran seventh guy who would, and it, it would probably be the same bullshit. He would just end up fucking starting. Or I not hate starting, that but he'd make the top six. So much that he's like a veteran. I hate that Ghost have played more games than Manning. <laughs> he That's is more true. of a veteran than Manning is. The only thing Brandon Manning ever did was um birth an excellent hockey playing son in uh Connor McDavid. <laughs> yeah. The only thing he's Come ever on. taken part in. Um, I just you know, I I knew they weren't gonna bring back Vandeveldi, you know, and uh I can't even I've I've put out of my memory. Well Nick Schultz obviously, who was the other defenseman? Delzato. Uh, yeah, right yeah. last year people were scared mm. they were gonna bring him back. I, I can't stuff. imagine they're gonna bring Phil Philpula back. But this coach loves Manning so much. I just, I feel like Ron Hextall knows that he needs to get Sanheim into the lineup. And if he brings back Manning, that it just might not happen. So I, I just feel like Hextall's not going to bring back Manning because he knows he's got to get some of the younger guys more time. But you know the coach is going to be appealing to Hextall to bring the guy back. He could try, but I mean. Hextall's got to just be like, yeah, look, dude, I mean, fucking, if you think Brandon Manning is better than Travis Sanheim, then I have to, like, really reevaluate what I'm doing at the head coach position. Yeah. So, yeah. on Twitter, and um, uh, uh, one Brian Gartside, at Brian underscore Gartside, wants to uh, have the Matt Reed call-up explained. Is this another just – bring in a veteran for the uh for the playoffs type thing i guess so i mean that's the only thing i could think of pretty well i i still prefer him over dale weiss and obviously letera as you say um (laughs) (laughs) sorry (laughs) uh, uh, yeah i I wouldn't hate him playing on the fourth line or third line, if whatever the Philip line is supposed to be called. I fucking hate uh, Matt Reed. I really do. Oh, I come on. I he's, don't he's hate Philip He's not a bad player. You know yeah, what I it don't is? hate the Philip uh, Like, I wouldn't hate if they brought him back next year, as long as it's on a one-year deal and it's like one million, and he is supposed about? to Matt Reed. Oh, I'm talking Philpula. about Philpula. Yeah. Oh, God. No, I don't want him back. No, I don't but fucking want him back the, either. The whole thing here is that he's supposed to be on the fourth line... And you don't play him with uh, Laterra and Weiss. Mm-hmm. That's the problem with him. If you put him with a wheel or Raffle or something like that, then it's not terrible. Then I wouldn't hate it. But depending on if they consider players like Vorobiev or Frost or whatever ready, then no. But as it's like a one-year gap. 4C player-ish type. I wouldn't yeah. hate it, but... I wouldn't hate I it if that was the situation you're bringing him back into. And yeah. The problem, I think, is that if they bring him back, I think Haxtell is going to play him in a bigger role. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, I mean, I want the fourth center on this team, you know, after Giroux, Couturier, and Lawton next year to be either Vorobiev or Frost or Vecchioni. I got to think yeah. that any of those three guys would be better than Phil Pula. 
I wouldn't want Frost to play fourth line. No, I think that Long yeah. would still probably be the fourth line center if you were going to stick Frost on the roster. But yep. listen, you're going to have to make that determination at some point. So I think Lawton is probably ultimately going to be the fourth line center unless they move Frost to wing. You know, looking yeah. at this this year's lineup, because I'm thinking about the lines, and I do like Matt Reed. When Simmons comes back, like you could have four lines of, you know, you've got Giroux, Couturier, and Konechny on the first line. Then let's say, let's just say you keep Lindblom. Patrick, uh, Lindblom, Patrick, and Voracek together. And then you could have a third line of, like, you know, Simmons and Wheel and uh, Lawton. And then you could have a fourth line of, like, Raffle, Reed, and Philpula. And yeah. those are, like, four really good lines. I mean, you're talking about you can roll four lines that, that all can, can score. Um, yeah. So yeah, I that, think that that's if, sort of what I meant. If you think about that uh, that lineup you said now, we think about next year. If there's no guarantees, Frost is ready. I mean, he's been incredible, uh, but you, you never really know. You don't want to put him in a player like that. You don't really want to put in a bottom six. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Limblom is gonna have. He's gonna play from start next year. I there's no way he has a spot. I would be surprised if he didn't. Um, but I think that Philip could be that 4C guy if they think that Lawton is good enough for 3C, which he looks like he is. Then I, I would yeah. I would find it hard. I mean, I don't, when it comes to, you know, you brought up Morgan Frost, I, 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 would pers- I would think that with his size, they would almost have to move him to a wing. I he's mean, not that small. He's the same size as Sidney Crosby and Claude Giroux. I mean, really? He seems so much smaller. Maybe he's it's... not though. Everyone thinks he's small. He's he's the same height as Crosby and Giroux. He's. Um, I'm talking. He... I'm talking like, like size. Like not height. I'm talking like thickness. Like, yeah, like his build. Weight. I mean, yeah, he has to. Yeah, to get gonna, some muscle. But... Is he going to put on like twenty to thirty pounds of muscle in the off season? He he's not that. I mean. Again, like if if you compare his size to some of the other top twenty scorers in the league, it's 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 similar, and he's got to put a little bit of muscle on. I mean, Johan, the one thing that's interesting is, like you're talking about, you don't want him to be in the bottom six. I mean, Sean Couturier and Nolan Patrick are going to be these this team's top two centers for the next five years, at least you would think. So, yeah. at I mean, point, I could I could live with Frost being the free seat. Yeah, that, that that's not terrible. But then, then would you need to put uh, like a Wayne Simmons on his Wayne, or you need to, and especially now when you still have Dale Weiss and stuff like that, those are the type of players you can't put. I've forgotten about Dale Weiss. Yeah, yeah it's one thing when you contract. have Turier being the center, and if you think about the the wingers he's had uh, throughout the years, because he's so good defensively. But if you put a player like Frost who is still like a two-way player. He's no Sean Couturier in his defensive zone. Yeah, and the Flyers have so many prospects on the wing yeah. that I think that, you know, you're not going to have a problem of of bad third-line wingers for a long time with this team. No. Because you've got Drew, Voracek, Konechny, Simmons, Lindblom, Wheel, and then you've got some kids coming up that will be coming up at around the same time as... As Frost on the wing, I mean, Nicholas Albe Covell has been really good in the AHL. You've got to think he's going to get a look at some point. And then all those wingers they drafted this year, like Isaac Ratcliffe and, you know, Strom and, you know, some of those guys will probably at some point. And then the Flyers have two first-round picks this year. So you got to think yeah. that they're going to be getting a pretty good player there. Yeah, it all comes down to uh, the ice time. You don't really want to have a kid who is 19 or 20 or – 21 or anything like that and have him play under 10 minutes right i wonder and then it doesn't depend who the player is if it's a young guy you don't want him to play nine ten minutes when he could play in the ahl and play 20 to 25 that's that's Uh, like the biggest issue i have i feel like it would be better for his development uh if he was with playing on a you know a, a top you know one of the top two lines down or is he? Would will he? Would he be eligible for the Phantoms? No, he'd either be oh, June. No, he has one more year. year. Yeah, yeah. 
Well then, yeah. I mean, that's I'm kind of in the same boat as Johan. I don't want to. I don't want you to call him up and he's not getting enough ice time to, you know, better himself to really, you know, to get his skills better. I think it's a guy like him. And if things keep trending the way they are for the Flyers right now in the next season, it would almost make sense to just you know let him stay down where he's at and. uh you know, call him up when you have more of a spot for him and he could play more regularly than, you know, nine or ten minutes a game. And then there's that, there's always that risk of, you know, if he does something Haxall doesn't like, does he swing him in and out of the lineup or anything like that? But is and I heard his name brought up earlier. Has anybody been more disappointing this season than Jordan Wheel from what we saw, you know, at the end of last season? It seems like when you're on Twitter – if you're not seeing, uh, you know, tweets about Robert Haig leading the NHL in hits, you're seeing tweets about Jordan Wheel, you know, just being a disappointment and needing to pick it up. Yeah, he hasn't been great, I'd no, say. He's, he's been more... But just like the, the the final... I was going to say the, fi- the final thing about the prospects. We all, we all want them to play on the flies now. We all want to see all these kids right. play, but... We all get a bit ahead of ourselves. We, I don't want them to play just so it says, yeah, Morgan Frost is in the NHL or because he has speed and skill. I, w- I want the prospects to make the team and make a difference. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have wanted Provorov to play if he wasn't ready. Same with Konechny. You want them to play and make a difference and actually make an impact on the team. And I don't think a Morgan Frost playing 10 minutes a game next year would do that. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I think it's probably 50-50 he makes the team or not, but if he yeah. like if, if, if he leads the OHL in scoring and uh, Sault Ste. Marie wins the uh, the Memorial Cup and he puts on pounds and he looks great going into camp, I mean, he's look, he's basically oh, he, had the he's same... He's ridiculous this year. Yeah, like he's, I, but he's had the yeah. same statistical season, if not a little better, than Travis Konechny did as a draft plus one. Yeah, uh, eight, 18 year old and Konechny made the team and he played 14 minutes a game with the Flyers moving you know around the second and third lines and there's pr- probably not a you know it would probably be the 3C if Ross makes the team next year and he'd yeah. probably be playing about 14 15 minutes a game so it's it's it, Morgan Frost is going to probably decide if he makes the team or not because if he comes in and he blows the doors off and they haven't re-signed Philpiel and they need another center and Frost outperforms Mikhail Vorobiev, who I also really like. Then, yeah. who knows? But they don't—they obviously don't need Frost in, all, in the on the team next season. So, yeah. um, Jordan Wheel. I mean, yeah, he's been—he's definitely been disappointing. But he shows glimpses of you know of of he can look like Konechny on some some shifts. He's so good at shielding the puck. I think he's a wild card type of guy who who might be able to really step it up in in the playoffs. I hope so. I was I was high on a lot of pe- a lot of us were a lot of us were high on him after last season. I was, you know, like eager every day, you know, to see if the Flyers had re-signed him in the off season because there was all that talk about him possibly going to Vancouver, and you know, so far, and you know, I say so far, but we're almost at the end of the season. He really hasn't shown much of anything like he did last last season, and. You're right. Him and, you know, connecting your very similar players and the way they play and things like that. And he could be a huge weapon for them in the playoffs if he could step it up. You know, we saw last year his presence around the net. A lot of his goals were picking up, you know, the loose pucks, the rebounds that got away from the goalie and just slam it at home. He um, He's a lot like Lindblom, too, in the way that he crashes the net on the rush. We saw that, you know, last night against Montreal that, you know, uh, Limblom crashed in that. Obviously, it was saved because uh, Lindgren was just outstanding for Montreal. But he could be a weapon if he could just – if he hits his stride, if he hits a hot streak right as the playoffs are starting, then that's just another added weapon and another asset to the Flyers that, you know, teams are going to have a hard time matching up against him because he's so small and he's so quick. Yeah. He's a guy you can have uh, on the lower line. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have to be in the top six. I think uh, if you have enough uh, players for a top nine, as the Flyers do, he's a guy, if you put him on the line with 
Raffle and uh, Philpla. I mean, it's a, it's not a super offensive, uh, like productive line, but right. they would still be good. That's a yeah. line you can roll. Uh, just like to eat minutes. Doesn't yeah. have to be flash or anything. Well, in the playoffs, everything, all the the benches get shortened anyway. You know, you're not yeah. throwing your fourth line out there as much as you normally would in a regular season game. And same goes with the third defense pair that we brought up earlier. You know, for the most part, you're giving your heavy minutes to your top two defense pairs and your top three lines. But, yeah, we th- that fourth line, if it was Raffle, Filpola, and Wheel, could could eat up a lot. They, you know, they could be the, gr- the guys that just kind of go out there. Wheel's kind of a pestering guy. He goes out there, pisses off a few guys, steals some pucks, generates a little bit of offense. That's a line that could surprise you, you know, whenever you get that, you know, that sustained pressure in the offensive zone for like a minute. You know, that could be a line that just goes out there and, you know, causes trouble for the other team and just, you know, kind of plays keep away and gives everybody else a much needed break. Yeah. Danny, you, t- you typing an essay over there? Yeah, I'm putting together an essay. War and Peace I'm working on, part nice. two. Yeah, I was commissioned to uh, to put that together. So. Are you be- Wait, are you being serious? <laughs> no, no, I'm not putting oh. that <laughs> I, was- I thought you had a side business writing college papers for, uh, to, uh, you know. It's a, like- great I- it's a great idea. It wouldn't be a no. bad one. They'll probably pay a lot. Know, this is way off topic. I don't know how college professors these days, like, uh, guard against – uh, plagiarism. There's just so much stuff out there. I couldn't. I couldn't even imagine being a teacher or professor these days. It would be. Oh, it would be horrible. You know what? I I I've recently enrolled back in school, and like the first thing every teacher said on the first class was, "Don't try to plagiarize, because I will catch it. Uh, you know, I've seen it all." And I'm like, "Bullshit!" <laughs> if I go to page fifty of Google. You're not fucking going back there. I will find something that you haven't seen yet, and you will never be able to catch. And how are you going to prove it? You're not going to go to page 50 of Google like I did. I thought ahead of you. There's no way. You're right. There's too much shit out there. There's too many ways to pay other people to do shit. And now you got me fired off about plagiarism. It's easy to get you fired up. You know, I have a very strong. I, I, I could go on about school and all the problems I have with it and all the bullshit that goes into it for week. I could do a whole hour just on that. You know what I got fired up about when I looked up today was because I was looking back on the Penguins. There were some tweets out there that were reminding me of the Penguins stuff. And and do you guys know what the percentage chances were the year that they got Sidney Crosby? Two? Uh, no. So it, it was 6.25% chance to win the lottery Christ. the year that the Penguins got Crosby. And this was the year after they got Malkin. I mean, what? What? what then this is a franchise that had arguably the, the best offensive player of all time in Mario Lemieux. And then they get another round with Crosby and Malkin. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's right. going to be like this year when, when um, Edmonton or the Rangers get the number one pick. Yeah. It's just obviously going to happen. Yeah, one of them Yeah, will. that's going to suck. It is. And, you know, well, if you really think about it, and I don't want to throw the conspiracy theories out there, but the Penguins were a team that were about to fucking leave Pittsburgh until, you know, Super Mario steps in and saves them, and then all of a sudden, you know, the greatest player since him comes available and they make that kind of a jump and there you go he's got his little buddy that's you know he's got like a little friend living with him that he's just pumping on this knowledge in as they both try to save a franchise that's dead in the water i can't wait until crosby and malkin aren't good anymore and that oh team my God, I know. absolutely stinks yeah oh. i tweeted about that the other day i can't wait until Cannot they're irrelevant again wait. can't you know i put out this is just like I wonder how people find me when they do shit like this. I put out a tweet on the show's Twitter at underscore getting bullied of the top three, you know, the top three uh, placings. And I kind of can't talk right now on the Metro, the Flyers being in first place. I put that, you know, that tweet out and some asshole, some asshole Patriots fan, not even the same damn sport had the ball. Like he says to me. 
He was like, I bet you the Capitals or the Penguins win. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? How did you see this? <laughs> nobody, like, nobody I know follows you. And then I had shit from a, pe- a Penguins fan last or the other day saying the same shit about something I put out. Whoop, they don't have anything better to do than come on here and talk shit. I get it. You guys won two cups in a row. You're, you're fucking, you're, your window's closing, bud, and it's not closing slow. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just annoying. These fans are just annoying. Twitter, I, I, give I, it, and Twitter, take uh, it away. They extended Pat Cornquist for, what, five more years? I think it was a good deal for them. Yeah. But because it's, you know, it guarantees that he's one of the, you know, he's basically their Wayne Simmons, and now he's going to be on the team for the end of, Crosby and Malkin's primes, but it gets just another contract that, that three to four years from now, uh, when Crosby and Malkin aren't great, they're going to be there's going to be some problems because they're going to have to have some guys to resign. But alas, they're great again this year, and so they'll probably win the cup. You know, but no, uh, don't fucking say that, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, I don't. I don't think they're going to win the cup. I think Neither do that, I. Uh, I think a Western Conference team might win the cup. I think Nashville is going to win the cup. But oh, dude, if uh, let me tell you right now. Fucking Nashville wins the Stanley Cup. I'm hopping on a plane and going to that parade. Can that you place, imagine? Oh, my God. That city knows how to party even when the playoffs aren't going on. I've been there. Some of my best nights ever have been in Nashville, Tennessee. Put <laughs> me in the middle of Broadway for a fucking Stanley Cup parade, and that's all I'll need. That's a good way to start off the summer right there. If it's Wait, not it's here, if so it's not here let it be there. We do Broad Street, and they do parades down Broadway? Yeah, their main street is Broadway, and okay. Lower Broadway in Nashville is bar, boot store, bar, bar, <laughs> restaurant bar, another boot store. Uh, there's an Elvis museum down there. So, yo, a- have you ever have you ever been to the states? I have not. Oh, unfortunately, what are you doing? Mark, we got to get, get this know. guy over here. We got to show you a good time. You got to get yeah, in. Exactly. Uh, I will bring pants. Don't worry about it. Do you, do you have any trips planned? Uh, I mean, I've I've always wanted to go, but it's always been the financial part of it and stuff like that. But yeah, it can't be cheap. If if they were to go deep in the playoffs, I will probably somehow maybe sell myself on the street and then pay for it. I don't know. <laughs> I, would, do I would try and find a way. <laughs> we got to start a Kickstarter. I would try and find a way, because then I would definitely want to go. The Kickstarter sounds like a good idea. It would have to be... I don't think people would pay for any other round but the cup finals. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's okay for me, because if that happens, we're obviously all excited. But (laughs) do we have to... Now, you mentioned you would wear pants. Do we need to start the Kickstarter for those, or do you have pants like Oh, I have pants. Don't okay. tell anyone, but yes, I have pants. I've never been to Sweden, so I don't know how things work over there. I don't know if like, pants are just kind of optional. <laughs> Your women well, are very unless attractive. Unless the police you, yes. Is Sweden any... I, I, I absolutely suck ass at geography. Is Sweden anywhere near Ireland? Not really. Fuck. I will, I'm going to Ireland next year, and that would have been cool. Oh, okay. but Sadly, uh... Too far. Not making two yeah, trips in one. It's quite far. It's quite far. Sweden. You gotta put Sweden on the list. <laughs> favorite favorite Swedish born NHL player. Go. Oh, that's an that's an easy one. Peter Forsberg. Yeah, that's what I figured. I could have guessed that. Yeah. yeah. Well, what the fuck do I know, man? <laughs> it's gonna city soon, it's gonna be uh Oscar Lindblom in a you're couple di- of you're damn right. You're damn right. Did you ever see the um, did you ever see him play in person? Uh, oh, yeah. when he was over there. Loads of, yeah, loads of times. People, people I like him. People him. Into I him. watched his every game since he got drafted. Basically, oh, that's fucking great. That's sweet. You're lucky. Not live. Not all of them live, but on TV as well. Why don't we do the Kickstarter to send fucking me and Dan to Sweden? That's another good idea. <laughs> that would be something. Yeah. I think that's a better idea because that gets <laughs> me on a vacation for free. Exactly. All right, we'll start that. Well, I think we've uh, veered off the tracks uh, enough, and this is probably when people start tuning out when we're talking about our own personal trips. So, Johan, I'd like to thank you for coming on, and I will give you this time to uh, go on and and plug your uh, your workings, your podcast. If people want to, you know, speak if people speak sweet Swedish, 
and want to listen yep. to your Flyers podcast and your Twitter and all that. So uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, so my Twitter handle is my name, Johan Gartner. Um, I tweet a lot of sexual stuff, a lot of flyer stuff, uh, stuff like that. So if you are not already following me, what are you doing with your life? That's what I want to know. There you go. Um, yeah. I write for Flyers Nation, so you should head over there if you're not already uh, following them on Twitter as well. And then I have a Swedish podcast on Svenska Fans. We do... Not always, but we do some uh, special episodes um, in English. We had Charlie O'Connor on once, and we had um, uh, Appleyard, Alexander, Alexander Appleyard from The Athletic. So now yeah. and then we do English episodes. So it's okay if you don't know Swedish, but you should start studying. And thank you guys for having me. Uh, real quick, this is like the third time you've brought up the sexual tweets. Is is Sweden <laughs> a very sexually free country? Are you guys just pretty uh pretty open about that not really oh. i think it's just me to be honest okay well. <laughs> mark was there disappointed this is why mark wanted to go over there oh <laughs> i mean we've all seen i mean we all we've all seen swedish women come on now i didn't know if it was if it was also like a hey everyone just kind of you know walks around without their pants on like johan here <laughs> i think mark is envisioning the swedish women walking around without their shirts on is what i'm thinking yeah that, that, that would be something I picture and I picture there's a lot of ice bars in Sweden. A lot of bars uh, made of ice. Not really. It's not common. I mean, if Fuck. you go to the northern parts of Sweden, there is some uh, like ice hotels and stuff like that. There we go. That's where we're going. Uh, but I don't live in the northern parts, so not where I live. Huh. All right. Well, I'm disappointed. I got to say. All right, Dan. <laughs> uh, your turn. Plug yourself. <laughs> So uh, that's that sounded dirty. <laughs> Although with Johan on the broadcast, I mean, obviously, I guess that's that makes sense. But um, yeah, so uh, my Twitter is at dsilver88. The 88 is for uh, Johan's favorite Flyers player, Eric Lindros, and certainly one of my favorites at dsilver88. And I write for phillyisflyer.com. You can follow phillyisflyer. Uh, at Philly is Flyer on Twitter, and our website is phillyisflyer.com. we got a lot of great content up there, and um, that's where you can find me. Um, you can find me uh, wherever there's alcohol. Now, uh, you can find me on Twitter, at Mark Flagman. That's with two N's. Um, obviously, you can follow this here wonderful show, uh, at underscore getting bullied. And, you, again, reiterate, Read Phileas Flyer every day of your life like it's the Bible. Follow these two wonderful hockey minds that clearly know a lot more than I do. And, uh, Johan, again, thank you so much for doing this and staying up late for us. It's, oh, it's no already, problem at all. It's already tomorrow in Sweden, so. Yeah, hello it's from, 1.30 here. Hello from the past. But, um, <laughs> so until, actually, well, until, uh, my little short show, Shortening the Bench, that'll come later this week. And then next week, me and Dan will uh, blow your minds again with more getting bullied coverage. So until then, let's go Flyers and good night, Sweden. <laughs> <laughs>